The minute I went out and became an entrepreneur and jumped into being a first time author, I was petrified. I was second guessing myself all the time because I was growing. So the minute you start moving into a growth phase, which is up to you, it's about stepping into fear, following your passion, you know, taking chances and risks on you, on your inner voice and on your intuition. And when you start doing that, inevitably, you will start questioning some of these things about yourself and some of the cracks that we have internally. And, you know, for me, I, I choose now to see fear as a green light that means go. And when I step into fear, I create confidence every single time, regardless of the outcome. Thank you so much for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. I'm super excited about today's guest. Her name is Heather Monahan. She is in South Florida, like I am. And we get right into it in this episode before we hit record. She was literally being trolled by somebody on social media. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, hold on. Let me hit record so we can talk about this because she talks about confidence. She talks about um, how she did a TEDx talk in Boca Raton. We've both done TEDx talks in Boca. And she has leveraged to turn hers into a speaking career. That was her goal that she was laser focused on. So she talks about you know, how she got the confidence to go on stage and speak and then how she turned that into a successful speaking career. So um, interesting stuff here. But of course, if we're going to talk about confidence and putting yourself out there, we got to talk about the social media trolls. So um, that's how we start this conversation. I hope you like it. It is with Heather Monahan. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for coming on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am glad you're on. And we are just going to get right into it because <laughs> we all have social media trolls. I think no matter who you are, what you do, if you are a female and you post online, everybody wants to get up in your comments and say something negative. So, um, I mean, I think we could both share a lot of examples, but why don't we just get right into it? And I swear people listening, like we have a point, we're going to make a point, but we got to like get right into the nitty gritty. Give us your latest example of like a social media troll on LinkedIn, Heather. <laughs> yeah, I just shared this with you. So it's surprising to me because number one, LinkedIn really is, you know, created to be a professional networking, you know, idea sharing site around business. And that's really, that's my focus every day. LinkedIn is my number one platform. I have a massive following there. And I'm all, yesterday I did a big article about how to negotiate for salary increases. I'm constantly talking about marketing, sales, driving revenues, building teams, leadership, you know, everything and anything I've learned in the past 25 years in my career. And I'm always showcasing business. Well, uh, it was so random Sunday night. I posted a video that the meaning was essentially this, that if you're dreading going to work tomorrow, meaning Monday morning, um, I'm challenging you to find your passion and don't wait any longer. Cause I waited a really long time and waiting is the wrong answer. Move yourself towards your passion. You get one life, make it worthwhile, make, get excited about Mondays. I'm excited. Finally, I want you to be too. Just a positive, you know, message around, you know, getting people to think about if you don't like your job, like let's do something about it. And 
it was so bizarre yesterday, a woman, nonetheless. Of course, they're always women. (laughs) It's so funny to me, women hating on women. I actually have a whole TED talk about that, but that's another conversation. So I, uh, the comment said something like this. Oh my gosh, look at her left eye is smaller than her right eye. Can you believe this? Exclamation point, exclamation point. And I just wrote, I responded back to her. Well, I'm not perfect. You know, like I, I didn't claim, I'm not on here positioning myself as a symmetrical model. No, (laughs) I'm, I'm on here positioning myself as a business expert and revenue generation machine that has tremendous business acumen and experience, 25 plus years experience in corporate America building teams. Listen, I I don't pretend to have symmetrical eyes. Never have I, you know, commented (laughs) that that's who I am. So I I find it so curious that people that are, you know, just so unhappy would want to attack you. Like, if you want to come at me, come at me and challenge me around, say, hey, I saw what you did in corporate America, but your business now as an entrepreneur isn't growing fast enough. I challenge you in your expertise. Like, challenge me on something that I say I'm an expert on and, and I'll take you on and like, let's have that dialogue around that. But to challenge me on that my left eye is smaller than my right eye when I'm a 45-year-old mother, what's the point? I'm dying. Like the things people say are unbelievable. And I, so I'm pulling this up, obviously, because I cannot help myself. Um, <laughs> Barbara Ann Rotino. Yeah. I mean, yes. let's keep it real. Okay. This is social media. If y'all are going to post things, like don't be afraid of getting called out because that's what's going to happen here. Um, oh, yeah. You weren't the only one who responded. I mean, you respond with, I'm not perfect, which is a lot nicer than how I would have responded. Um, And there is quite a thread here of people, um, (laughs) of people coming to your defense and they are tagging her in the comments. See this, this is what happens. Barbara Ann Rotino has gone missing after this. She. Yeah, but I didn't, here's the thing. I do feel bad. And this is sort of. Do not feel bad. This is a micro example of Taylor Swift, right? When Taylor Swift calls people out like Scooter LeBron for, you know, saying that he was purchasing her music and that anytime she would sing it, she's never going to receive a royalty from it again. And she called him out on social media. He was getting death threats from, from thousands, if not tens of thousands of the Swifties and that kind of stuff. It's like, listen, no one, people should be called out for poor behavior when they are, you know, doing things intentionally, which obviously this woman was intentional. I assume she was in control of her computer when she posted that. And, you know, so it's fine to call people out, but at the same time, you don't want to, you know, you saw the thing with Gail King, I'm sure about how she made the comment about Kobe Bryant and she was getting death threats. She had to get security. It's just, listen, hate upon hate doesn't benefit anybody. I just, I believe in, Like, keep it moving. You know, yeah, I do want to shine a light on negative stuff out there because if we don't, it's never going to end. I, 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 for a long time, I turned a blind eye to bad behavior. That didn't work. It accelerated the poor behavior. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned now is I do shine a light on it, but you know, I I definitely don't want to have people getting death threats because they told me I had a small eye. (laughs) Yeah. No, something that I do, I do something similar. I mean, I either, sometimes I will ignore it. It depends on who it comes from and what is said. Um, I usually never delete it. The only time I delete it is if there is like language that is like over the top offensive. And I'm just like, okay, I, I will delete and block at that point. Um, But usually when I respond, I want to respond with something short, sweet, and to the point, never from a place of hate, but from a place where it's like, okay, I'm going to write something and I'm going to make you feel like the asshole that you are 
and I'm going to do it in a way where it's like almost educational. Like I'm teaching you something like you're on LinkedIn, you are writing business content on a business platform and somebody wants to talk about your non-symmetrical <laughs> eyes. Like, and, and like you said, like, instead of I'm not perfect, like I probably would have said what you, what you said after that, um, on the podcast, not on LinkedIn, but like, I am not a symmetrical eye model. So I'm all good here. Like <laughs> it's just crazy. I remember I posted something on Instagram a few months ago when I was rather pregnant and a man uh, commented that my dress was tight and I, I, <laughs> Oh my gosh, Hello? what is wrong with people? And I responded, I mean, you know, no offense, men, but some of y'all have no clue. So maybe he didn't know I was pregnant. I, I, it's hard telling. I don't know. But I responded to his, like, it probably has something to do with the human in there. Like you just gotta, and you know, who's really good at this on Twitter is Ginger Z from Good Morning America. I don't know if you follow her on Twitter, no, but whenever, oh my gosh, you have to just for the entertainment of how she responds okay. to these trolls. Like <laughs> it's just so good. She just comes back with these like one liners and it just like totally puts somebody in their place and then she's done with it. Right. But then you have the hundreds of others who come to her defense on, on Twitter, which is great, which is great. But I think this is like a learning lesson in two ways. One, if you're going to post something on social media, just know everybody's going to see it. And even if you delete it a second later, know that somebody screen grabbed that shit. So like, don't post right. on social media to be an asshole. And two, if you are going to post on social media like you do or like I do, be aware that anybody can post anything in response. And you have to be strong. You have to have thick skin. You can't let strangers on the internet bring you down. Yeah, but sadly, here's the thing, you know, bullying is part of the culture we live in and social media bullying, hiding behind a computer screen, you know, it is very common these days. And you see it can be crippling to people, not only adults, but also young people. And it's just it's got to stop. So I, I do believe call it out, you know, in a classy way, as you said, it, and, and just move on. It, it just it's not worth our time or energy. And you help women. I mean, this is one example of how to deal with it, but it is a confidence issue too. And that's like, that is your jam is creating confidence specifically with women, because I do feel like, I mean, and there's stats, you know, where people will tell you that, um, the difference between men and women, not just in business, but in life in general, you know, like men, I feel like men, again, no offense, men, this is not a man bashing podcast episode. However, <laughs> men have more confidence, generally speaking, Men have more confidence than they should. Um, their confidence exceeds their abilities many times. And for women, it's the opposite. Their abilities exceed their confidence. Um, mm -hmm. And this is something that you... It's statistically witnessed. proven. I mean, that's yeah. facts. Yeah, so men don't yeah, be so mad. This no, no, no. It's actually be proud, right? Because I, you know, I wish that was the case for everybody that we all would say, of course, I'm going for that promotion. Why wouldn't I go versus so many women will say, well, I don't know. I mean, could I actually handle it? You know, and second guess and question ourselves, which really at the core is, is an issue with self-doubt and, and lack of confidence. But yeah, I, you know, this was not always my focus norm, my work, you know, for 25 years in corporate America, I was leading sales teams. I was a chief revenue officer and I was really focused on delivering value and results for shareholders. And, and that was, you know, that was my job. However, you know, luckily I had a good mentor say to me, I guess about six years ago, Hey, Heather, why don't you pick your head up and why don't you start looking bigger 
than the job in front of you, the task in front of you, and start thinking more about meaning. This was an older gentleman who obviously was much more wise than I was. And I and my initial reaction to him was, I'm too busy. I'm a single mom. I'm running a massive company. I'm responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars, thousands of employees. You know, I just started rattling off excuses. And he basically said to me, listen, when you're ready to get real about where you are, who you are, and what you want your future to be, that's when, you know, your life is going to change. And I mean, I'll just tell you that it took a while, but I slowly started getting into, I slowly started getting into charity work, which was life-changing and started allowing me to see the importance of purpose-driven work, passion-driven work. That led me into my speaking business, which led me to launch a personal brand around this idea that I grew up poor and found a way to break the glass ceiling. And all of these steps really led me to where I am today. So, you know, my whole life and career is not about creating confidence or teaching people how to do that. However, over the past two years, it's evolved into that. And why do you think this is so, because nobody's doing this for men, like men don't have this problem. Why do you think this is a problem for women? Well, I'll tell you, actually men do. My audience is 60% female and 40% male. My book, Confidence Creator, I've gotten so many reviews from men. So it's, again, statistically, it is proven that men typically have a higher confidence level than women. However, there's a massive faction of the male audience that does struggle with confidence. Men that are newly divorced, men that, you know, question their sexuality, men that were bullied as kids. And it, it could just be going into a new situation, a new industry going to work out and maybe you're intimidated by people at the gym, you know, or maybe it's asking that girl on a date, the one that you really want to go out with instead of the ones that you're settling for there. I get so many notes and so many messages from men as well, uh, that they struggle too. And, and really the fundamental tactics and strategies to create confidence are applicable to anyone, whether you're a child, a man or a woman. So then how do you do it? Like it sounds, it's like one of those things where you say, let's build confidence. Like it sounds easier said than done. So like, where do you even begin? And how do you even know if this is something that you need to do? Like maybe you think your problem is elsewhere and it's not a confidence issue. Oh my gosh. I laugh when I hear that. Well, then you're just not growing. You're not in a growth phase. And so what I would do is challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and start growing for, you know, a decade. I was in corporate America in the C-suite and I wasn't growing. If someone had said to me back then, do you struggle with confidence? I said, I would have said, not really. But, but you want to know why I was in the same routine every day around the same people every day doing the same thing. And I was already at the top. So Of course, I wasn't really challenging myself. The minute I went out and became an entrepreneur and jumped into being a first-time author, I was petrified. I was second-guessing myself all the time because I was growing. So the minute you start moving into a growth phase, which is up to you, it's about stepping into fear, following your passion, you know, taking chances and risks on you, on your inner voice and on your intuition – And when you start doing that, inevitably, you will start questioning some of these things about yourself and some of the cracks that we have internally. And, 
you know, for me, I, I choose now to see fear as a green light that means go. And when I step into fear, I create confidence every single time, regardless of the outcome. And when you begin to see life as an opportunity to either be creating confidence or chipping away at it, it truly is that simplistic. So I challenge anyone to say, okay, this morning, what was your routine? Oh, it was my regular routine. I rolled out of bed. I grabbed a coffee. I'm answering my emails. Okay. How can you start moving? into fear? How can you start acting on your inner voice? How can you start connecting with what you're really supposed to be doing and, and how you're supposed to be affecting the world and having a bigger purpose? As we start looking at life like that, we start giving ourselves the opportunity to grow, evolve, and become who we're really meant to be. And inevitably, when we do that, we are going to be challenged with lack of confidence and this issue where we get to actually create confidence in any of these moments. And I think that's probably what holds people back, right? Is that they think, oh, I'll do it when I feel confident, but you have to do it to get confident and people just don't want to do it scared. That's exactly it. You know, fear is a big part of it. For me, fear was my number one holdback. Everyone has different holdbacks, but definitely my limiting beliefs were around fear. And what I learned is that fear is a liar. It's not real. And by transitioning from seeing fear as, you know, something to stop me, now I look at, there's a fine line between fear and excitement. And every time I feel scared, I say, I am excited. I'm really excited right now. And the more I say that to myself, I actually become excited excited. And you begin to see, okay, wait a minute. I've been here before. Let's think of the last three times I felt scared and I move forward with the program, the concept, the initiative that I personally had, whether it was climbing on a huge stage to interview Sarah Blakely live, which was super scary for me because I started self-doubting. She's a billionaire. I'm not. The crowd's going to love her. They're not going to know who I am. Everyone's going to question, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So you can start getting ahead of yourself with these fear and these unknowns these doubts. I stop myself and I say, when have I felt like this before? Okay. I remember when I launched my first book, Confidence Creator, I felt like no one was going to buy it. People were going to hate it. I was going to get sued. None of that was real. Instead, if I get present in the moment, I play my playlist of my life, which is my confidence playlist. And I'm so trained to hear that music and move into that take action mentality that I can do this. I will do this. And that my past is proof this is going to work. I just step out. And another one of those great moments was when I gave my first TEDx talk just a couple months ago. I was petrified. I was flipping out. And I almost didn't go out there. And in that last second when they called me to stage, I closed my eyes and I said, if you don't go out there right now, you will never forgive yourself. If you go out there right now and you bomb, I am going to be so proud of you, Heather. And I just went and I thought I will be proud of me because I had the courage and confidence to go. And I ended up killing that talk. And the only reason why I did is, well, of course, I had practice. I, you know, I practiced and put the work and time in, but it was because I removed all of that stress off myself and I just decided to be me. And you know, it's funny. So I, we both have done TEDx talks in Boca Raton and I did the exact same thing you did. I found out, I don't know if they did it um, this year the same way as they did last year, but they told us like literally a couple of hours before the event, the order in which everybody was speaking. And um, Eric Mintz, he said, okay, Christina, you're going to go first. And I was like, oh, perfect, fun. And I remember thinking, okay, instead of being nervous, I'm going to be excited because this is a huge opportunity. 
Um, and I just said, I'm not nervous. I'm excited about it. And I remember I was working with um, a speaking coach and and she said, she said, just have fun. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like why, why be nervous? I'm going to do this anyway. I might as well be excited and have fun with it. And it was just that mindset shift that made a huge difference. And I think that's great advice for people who are too afraid to do something to just have that mindset shift in their head. Um, but what do you think people are afraid of? Like everybody talks about fear. Is it fear of failure? Okay, well then you fail, but then what? Like what is coming up for people when they talk about fear? Well, it's different in any situation. It's different depending on the person. For me, going out on my own was fear of not being able to provide for my child, fear of not being able to pay my bills. I mean, it was a very real fear. Most of our fears are real. You know, when I was going out for the TEDx talk, I was afraid I was going to blow it. And that moment for me, I had been told if you can kill the TED talk, it's going to launch your speaking business into the next level, you know, financially it would take me to where I needed to be. So, so, so often our fears are really rooted in, in, in important pieces of the puzzle in our life that, you know, we believe we need for success. However, I'm beginning to learn that, you know, sometimes things aren't going to go the way we want. Like I was fired from corporate America from my C-suite position. And that was not what I anticipated. It was not what I wanted. However, it steered me to a new opportunity. Has not been easy at all. You know, I'll be very candid with people. It's been tremendous amount of work and, you know, highs and lows and losses and fails and wins over the past two years. But it's definitely brought me to a place of more who I really am, who I'm meant to be. And for that, I'm really grateful. I want to switch gears just for a second because you touched on something that a lot of my audience asks about. Um, They started asking after I did my TEDx talk and you mentioned leveraging it into a speaking career and doing more things and you have done that successfully. Talk about, and everybody thinks, and this is the same thing with media, right? Like people, they get mentioned in Forbes or they get a TV segment and they think, oh, that's it. Now my career is going to skyrocket. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You actually have to leverage that and do more work to get more exposure. So you didn't just do a TEDx talk and then all of a sudden everything blows up. Tell me about how you leveraged that to turn it into what you have turned it into and talk a little bit about, you know, your podcast and your speaking, because you're doing a lot more since then. So talk about how you leverage that. It's funny you bring up Forbes. So Forbes did an article where they featured me and three other professional speakers right after my TED talk. And they chose my TEDx picture of me on the stage. And it was one of those, I thought watershed moments, you know, this is what I've waited for. No. (laughs) So yeah, it's like, listen, PR is great. And um, getting press is important because it allows you to position yourself as an expert, but it's not that... I, I hate to say you gotta work after that. You still gotta do stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've been featured in a lot of different things. I've been on CNN, I've been on, you know, Steve Harvey, I've been on a lot of shows. USA Today did a ran a piece on me years ago, four years ago, five years ago. That article did more than anything else that I have ever done. So who knows what one thing is going to hit? Who knows? It's about putting yourself out there, investing in yourself, positioning yourself as the expert that you are, being the real, transparent, authentic version of you, right? But then getting clear on what am I really good at here? You know, as you build your brand, as you move forward in business. And for me, when I would take for 20 plus years in corporate America, I spoke, but I spoke for free. It was something I always got great feedback on, but I didn't realize there was a speaking business. When I went to work for myself, I Googled, how do you promote a book? And it said to speak. I said, well, that's easy. I've been doing that forever. 
I started calling companies, dialing for dollars, I call it. It's like sales 101, rookie salesperson sitting at my dining room table, calling every company I could find, think of every university and offering to speak for free for them. Until one day I called a company and they said, sure, what's your speaker fee, Heather? We'd love to have you. And I learned, okay, there's a speaker fee. So I, d I dove all in 100% on that business. And I started finding out where our professional speakers found. Okay, they're found with speaker agents and speaker bureaus. Okay, so I started connecting to speaker bureaus. And there's, you know, 20 plus amazing speaker bureaus in the U.S. And I started going to their websites and researching. Some are good at universities. Some are great with media companies. Some are great with CPG brands. So everyone has their own niche that they own. So do your research on those speaker bureaus. There's always going to be a button on each one of these pages that says connect here if you want to be a speaker. So what I would do, and this is going back a year and a half ago, I started submitting myself to every speaker bureau. And there is a method to my madness, which I'll share with you. <laughs> and the feedback I got was, hey, you're not unique enough, right? This is a year and a half ago. You're you're just like everybody else in media. Yeah, you're a great speaker. Yeah, you've got a great present. You've got a good personal brand. But why you? Like, why would I add you when I already have Mel Robbins and Brene Brown and whoever else, you know, that they were comparing me to? And so I couldn't answer that question for a while. Ultimately, what and this is what everyone needs to do. You've got to find your UVP, your unique value proposition, the why you like, how are you going to make a difference? What white space are you going to now represent for them that they can steer business to you and create a new revenue stream? So my book ended up trumping Trump for number one on Amazon business biography. And I took that screenshot and I sent that screenshot to the president of the Harry Walker speaker agency. I found his um, information through, I have this great um, API called seamless, which allows you to find anybody's email address in the world. And I had Googled the speaker agency. I had applied numerous times. I had been rejected because I, they said, you know, you don't own a white space. You're just like everybody else, Heather. And once I had that screenshot, I sent it to the president and I said, here is exactly why I'm different than everybody else. No one else on your roster has Trump Trump for number one in business biography. It's very timely with him as president. And what I'd like you to do is add me to your roster, allowing your audience to select someone as a speaker that can speak to the fact that they've Trump Trump in business. He thought it was hysterical. I got added immediately. And then what I did was I leveraged that ad. So now I had a page and a face on a major speaker bureau. And I leveraged that link and I sent it to all the different other speaker bureaus contact me page. There's always a name somewhere. I Through the API that I have seamless, I found the individual's email address and I would send that person a customized email about their business. So let's say GDA speakers is one of the speaker bureaus and they're big in the YPO business. So I would research the kind of speakers they typically send and I would craft an email specific to them as why I'd be a great candidate for YPO, how I'm different from their current offering and how I could potentially drive new revenue for them. So then I was added to GDA. Then I leveraged the GDA ad to get me on added to APB. Then I let, so I just go one by one by one. And suddenly I'm on 20 different speaker sites and I'm seeing when you Google me, I show up as a speaker. So now you're able to get that SEO. You're able to get that branding every time I speak. Now, not always are you allowed to have someone, does a client share pictures? Sometimes they're private. I do a lot of um, annual meetings and they typically will not allow you to share photos and or have photos taken. But I spoke at Hypergrowth in September in Boston, which was a huge sales and marketing conference. And I got hundreds of pictures from that. 
So I share those on social media with the hashtag keynote speaker, um, speaker, you know, you know, anything around the speaking business so that I show up and populate when people are looking for keynote speakers, my posts talking about what I spoke about or what my messaging was around, or I share a lot of my reviews and recommendations on social media. So people see what people say once they hire me. And that really starts that momentum wheel turning. And then when they Google you, you show up on all the speaker bureau sites with all the speaker agents and you're, you're positioning all your handles around being a speaker. The next step is you need to have a reel. And what I learned from Kendra Hall, who's one of the top US female speakers right now, is she didn't have a reel. So she just did a direct to camera, five minute, why her? and what the audience would get from her. I didn't do that. I actually went the harder route and amassed a speaker reel of, you know, all the different places I had been. And then I created a speaker one sheet, which is that UVP unique value proposition around why you, the four different keynotes that you could provide bullet points around what the deliverables are from your speech, what someone's going to garner from you and a way to contact you. And then you want to do a fleshed out version, which is your speaker kit, which is going to go into more detail on your reviews, your recommendations, and just a more robust version of what those four keynotes are. I love it. And like, long story short, you put in a lot of work to make this happen because you said you wanted to go all in on speaking and that was your one focus and that's what you went all in on and you did the work. And like, as you can hear, very strategically, And I think that's what a lot of people are missing. They say, oh, I want to do this. I want to be a speaker, but they don't want to put in the work. Like you said, you were dialing everywhere to speak for free to get that experience. And this is what people tell you to do, but people just don't want to do it. They want to, they want a shortcut and they, they want the fast track to success. And that's kind of where I get annoyed with a lot of small business owners. Here's the thing is that sometimes it works, right? So I, I'm always looking for what am I missing? I always believe I'm missing something that could accelerate my business. So I constantly am asking people, Hey, do you know anyone in the speaking business? And could I be missing something? Because I think for me, it should have accelerated beyond the point it has for me yet. So I, I constantly am fine, you know, trying to find, is there a hack? I got connected to a professional speaker who's been in speaking business for 20 plus years. He's killing it, making six figures. He's booked every single week around the world. We get on the phone and I said, he tells me a story and I said, can you let me know what am I missing? I'm missing something. And he said, I already know what it is. And I said, tell me. He said, I did a Batman Robin situation my first year speaking that changed my career. And that's what you've got to focus on. And here's what he explained to me. One of the top U.S. speakers in finance, he's he's a finance speaker, um, met him at a cocktail party and loved him and said, like, you're my Robin. I'm Batman and you're Robin. From now on, when I'm hired to speak anywhere, I'm going to tell them they have to bring you in or I'm not going. And so the next 10 speeches that this Batman, like premier, amazing finance speaker got, he said, you have to bring in my Robin. They did. And so those two became known together as the best opening um, speakers for financial um, institutions. After those 10 speeches, he told me his business took off all through word of mouth, all through the referrals he got from just those 10 speeches. So he said, want to know what you're missing? You're missing your Batman. Like go find someone who's already at the top of the, go find Mel Robbins or Tony Robbins or, 
You know, he said, go find one of these people, meet them at a cocktail party, get them to love you and get them to take you under your wing. He said, that's what you're missing. So in his story, in his career trajectory, that was what catapulted him to other level success. Everyone has maybe a different hook or a different niche or a different reason, but there are those instances out there where you can be catapulted into massive success, literally in a short period of time. That's an amazing story. Very rare. Like I would assume instances like that are rare and yours is more common. And I know you think you're missing something, but I think you're like me where you have very, very high expectations of yourself. For sure. I'm an overachiever, but I've also, one of the things that I decided this year, which I wasn't doing previously, I will not speak for free anymore. And I, I was actually asked to be a speaker at the 10 X women's event and they weren't paying. And I just, to me, I I really wanted to do it because I, I love Elena Cardone and I think she's a great person. And I, I, you know, I want to speak for the major 10 X brand, but I also looked at it and said, you know, gosh, one of the things that you have to draw a line at some point, because until you do, people aren't going to pay you your worth. If you're going to make that compromise for some, somebody else is going to hear about it. And if I want BNY Mellon to bring me back again and pay, and they find out I did a 10X event for free, that's not really fair to my customers. So, you know, I made the decision this year, even though I might want to do an event just for that reach and that publicity. I'm not doing that anymore. And it's a hard decision to make. And as a new speaker, I am a rookie in this business as I'm only a year and a half in, you know, you're always wondering, am I doing this correct? Am I, you know, second guessing myself and, you know, just goes back to that fear and that wondering and, you know, immersing yourself in new businesses, getting to know as many people as possible, making as many connections, and then just falling back on my instinct to say, I'm going to keep pursuing this. I'm going to do this the way, same way I built my business in radio and media. I'm going to work really hard, fill my pipeline, make a lot of contacts, network and, and find solutions. No, I totally understand because like in that situation, it would, two things. One, it would be like you're moving backwards. And two, um, like you said, it is sending the wrong message. But it's also, um, it's like I think of when I used, when I started in TV, my goal was to be an anchor and or a reporter in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from. And then by the end of my career, I was in Miami, which is a much bigger market where you get paid more. So I'm like, oh, well, if I went to Columbus now, that would be like, I'm demoting myself and your goals change. Like it it probably used to be a goal of yours to speak there, but then you kind of, you meet your goals and then you set new ones. So it is like moving backwards. So yeah, I totally, I totally get it. And it's okay if your goals change. Um, That's just, that means you're moving forward. It means, like you said, you're facing your fear. You're getting uncomfortable. You're moving forward. You're creating a new confidence with new experiences. Um, Love it. Love it all. Before we go, we talked about your book a little bit, Confidence Creator. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. But you also have a podcast called Creating Confidence. So talk a little bit about that before we go. Sure. So in May of last year, I launched my show, Creating Confidence, with Gary Vaynerchuk as my first guest. I love that episode. He actually just posted about it last week on LinkedIn, and it was cracking me up. I've had amazing guests from Ed Milet to today I have Jess Ekstrom, who's this really wonderful woman that um, shares her story about finding her passion, her purpose. I've had Ryan Surhant, who's the best salesperson that's out there right now. Um, I've had Jesse Itzler, um, Living with the Seals. You know, so many amazing guests. And really, the show is interesting because 
the first third of the show is me talking about my personal challenges, how I'm building my business, how I'm overcoming my challenges. The middle portion of the show is the actual interview with one of these exceptional people, them talking about how they achieve their success, how they overcome hardship and hard times. And the wrap up of my show is me answering the listeners' questions. People DM me questions on social media and at my website, and I answer each one of those questions on air each Tuesday when my show drops. Awesome. So I'm going to link to your website, your book, your podcast. That's all in the show notes, folks. Where else can people find you, Heather? So you can find me on my website, heathermonahan.com. You can find me on social media at Heather Monahan, And I would love for you to send me a DM. I always get back to you, maybe not immediately, but I definitely respond. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. And um, it's amazing that you have been able to find all of the success with asymmetrical eyes, let me just say. <laughs> we got to bring it full circle here, people. Full circle. Oh my gosh, hysterical. <laughs> Thank it's you, Heather. Funny. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening today. Again, you can get um, all those resources in the show notes, a link to her book, uh, check out her podcast, Creating Confidence. Her social media handles are on there. And if you have not already, I would really appreciate a rating or a review for this podcast. Um, it lets Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and Google Play and all of those people know that you are liking what you are listening to. And if you have any suggestions for future podcasts or for future podcast guests, please let me know. If you want to pitch yourself to be a guest, um, please listen to previous episodes, specifically episode number 68. Uh, the one titled How to Pitch Podcasts Looking for Guests. Because, listen, I am in the media pitching business, so if you send me a terrible pitch, I will be so disappointed. Like, prove you are listening and consuming my content when you pitch me. Um, and don't send me an email. I get a lot of those. I don't want any more. There is a form on my website. So just head to the contact section of my website, mediamavenandmore.com, and you can pitch yourself to be a guest. Or if it's just a topic that you want me to speak on, you know once a month, I do a solo episode here on the podcast. So if you want me to talk about anything specifically, let me know and I will record a podcast. Um, and then a few uh, a few months ago, I did a series, an Ask Me Anything series, part one and part two, because I got so many questions. Um, so if you have a question for me, um, make sure you check out episode 58 and episode 62, because maybe I answered it there. But if not, um, feel free to send me an email. Hit me up on social. I am at Christina all day. And thank you again for listening.